an admin. She's app. in your pitch deck. Her face. You are. Oh, you're in my I, app. I've seen okay. it. I gotta That's see. It. everybody to another episode of Raj Nation Innovations Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan, aka The Raj Nation. I'm your show's host, the founder of Raj Nation Innovation. I'm also a hip-hop artist and a yoga instructor. And I am joined by my co-host, Victoria Cohen. Victoria is the voice behind the blog, almondsandasana.com. She's also a yoga instructor and a community activist focused on helping you make positive lifestyle choices that impact you and the people you serve. This is Discover Your Inner Awesome, the only show where you get to eavesdrop on conversations with entrepreneurs, startup founders, artists, and musicians about the stories, the journeys, the struggles, but most importantly, the questions. The questions that help creative thinkers like you and I better understand who we are, what we're doing, and how we can do it better. It's real talk with real people doing real big things to show you the real side of success. And in this episode, we sit down with Shirley Yang. Shirley is the founder of Muses, a small business influencer marketing app that helps, well, small businesses get influencers to help promote their brand. And in this conversation, we explore the topic, how do you find satisfaction? Before we dive into that conversation, I want to extend an invitation, if you are not a member already, to join our tribe at www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. Enter your email address there, and you will get an email in your inbox every single Monday, so you will never miss another episode of the show. You'll also get my stories throughout the week on how to brand and tell your startup's story. All right, let's dive in now to our conversation with Shirley Yang, founder of Muses. How do you find satisfaction? Let's listen in. I feel like we should play that. I can't get no. <laughs> yes. Love that song, by the way. So, satisfaction, I think for about... Almost 30 years, I feel like I can never be satisfied. It's like from Hamilton, like yeah. I can never be satisfied. Uh, you know, not just when it comes to career, but just personal endeavors, personal developments, and even relationships. When I was dating, I feel like it's always that kind of like mountain is higher than another mountain kind of climb. And, you know, certain people, especially I think type A and your podcast listeners can probably definitely relate to is when you're when you're a type A personality, you set challenges for yourself. You're just never happy if you're stagnant, you feel like you're backtracking, right? And that I was definitely, um, I don't know if you call a victim, but a prototype of that. Um, and so, you know, a little bit goes back to my my career development. I've always worked in enterprise, big corporations. You know, I started off my journey at MySpace, which was owned by Fox Interactive Media at the time. And you know, I have a technical background, so I've always done technical product management, project management, working with multiple teams, huge people, like big names. I think that would make me satisfied, right? Um, being in the entertainment industry in LA, working on the Fox studio a lot, I felt that, oh, maybe that could capture my attention. And um, I mean, it was interesting, but 
at the same time, you know, it, it's like that uh, happiness treadmill. I'm sure everyone have experienced that. Um, and this is the past, right? So I'm sharing some things that where this is coming from. Um, I would be happy for three months, you know, like, yeah, I got this gig or I got this project or I score this deal or this contract. What's next? And so I went from big companies big companies, Fox, to Sony um, Entertainment, to um, Audible Amazon, to NBC-owned television stations. All of these are, you know, I was, I was trying to hit all the big studios, like, what sounds sexy next, right? Um, but it's the same three months, and I'm like, what's next? And I was not happy. I was not happy with how shallow, maybe is the word, how surface as the surface feeling is because I feel like I was just hitting the surface understanding myself. I was only just hitting the surface of what I think I like. You know, I think I like something that's entertainment, digital media. Um, I know I'm a technology person. So I've always been in mobile, but that's just a function. It's not a satisfaction. Um, and so with that, I also felt like it was not challenged enough. If you're at a corporate position, you get a role, and that role is defined for you. As a product manager, I got to be, sort of they say, a pseudo mini CEO. You talk to all sides of the business. So that was more than maybe some other roles that I you know, could have found myself in, but that was still not enough. There was a creative side of me, so I've always had a blog. I've always had, you know, I did on-camera reporting. I did uh, writing. I did a lot of other things just to sort of fulfill my other side of my, my personality. And a lot of people are doing that. That's why there's a thing called side hustle, right? And so I've always had, I've, al I've also had experiences where bosses, female bosses, well, department heads, they would slap my wrist if I'm doing more than what I'm supposed to do. Um, if I'm actually bringing in, I think, innovation to the company and they felt that it was not suitable for the company or that they didn't want me to be the person bringing it in to the department. I was uh, surprised, right, that I think I'm bringing something valuable, something innovative to a company and that was ceased because I'm not the one that should get the spotlight. So, sick of that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of people went through that, and that's why people go to startups or start their own company. They were actually pursue what they're passionate about, and you know, I think through that process, I've actually, um, you know, I didn't tell many people this, but I've been revealing this more and more because it's the path now. Um, I had anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night. I had to take medication. Um, this, there was a one job that I was at um, where I just had so much pressure on myself. I put it on myself where I just couldn't sleep. I would not sleep for two days straight. And actually, they say it's like you're drunk. If you mm -hmm. don't sleep and then you're walking, I would walk into a wall, sure. but I still go to work mm -hmm. and I'm still sending emails. And, you know, it's because I won't let myself be satisfied with my performance, yeah. right? And oftentimes, um, when I have that anxiety, it's because the next day there's a huge meeting or there's a presentation, there's someone I want to impress, right? 
And so I remember this one time I had to take two doses of sleeping pills um, because the next day there was this meeting I wanted to impress some people. And, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but after pills, you get uh, sort of not like it's it, it doesn't work the same on you anymore. So the next day you feel very drowsy and you don't you still don't really sleep. So I felt like that the next day, only to find out that that meeting was canceled. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I just felt like a zombie and like crap for the rest of the week because it influences your sleeping cycle. And that's where I realized nobody else gives a fuck. <laughs> like, this is your own internal struggle. Like, I'll do a shout out to a friend, um, Kelly. She uh, she's in San Francisco now. She actually does. Um, she's a founder of Core Collective. She introduced me to this book. It's by Eckhart Tolle. Um, Not the power of now. The one before. Uh, the untethered soul. Uh, one of those, but it's, um, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. It's a yellow cover. But essentially, let me ask you this question. He talks about ego, right? So, and Raj, you probably know this one, but. I actually haven't read the book. I just, I just heard the titles. So. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually a pretty good conversation starter when you chat with friends or whatnot. So how do you identify yourself, right? I, I heard your intro earlier. You're. A rapper, you're a yoga instructor, you're also the hit for startups, mm -hmm. right? Let me ask you this. What if one day you realize that you couldn't speak anymore? For some reason, you lost your voice. Are you still Rush? Yeah. I did this in yoga teacher training. Yeah. Do you remember this? We did, we did so. an exercise. Yeah. You don't remember this? I do. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's all, I think it's almost unfair for us to answer this question. Yeah, because you've been through training. Yeah. And also through my last business, I did so much personal development work. Um, but I understand what you're saying. So carry on. Yeah, so what my friend did to me was, surely you identify with your job. You identify with, I have a dog, you know, and my, let's start with something more superficial. I've always had long hair. So what if one day you shaved your head? Are you still surely? What if one day you lost, you know, God forbid an arm or a leg. You know, what if you can't walk anymore? You can't wear the shoes that you like. Are you still Shirley? How do you carry your your sachet or your swagger or your confidence? How do you show that if you can't show it through your walk? What if you lost your voice, right? And so this is what the book is talking about, how we identify ourselves. Our ego identifies ourselves. These are just attributes of who you really are at its core. And I realized that, I mean, it's 100%. This is what I'm doing at the time. Identify myself in my job performance with what I can put, you know, as my achievements. Um, what I can feel good about myself is only performance, I felt like. And I can never be satisfied because you, you always hit higher, you set higher goals for yourself. And you're always nervous that you can't, you know, peak again, right? And that's where I realized, okay, it's the ego that gets in the way. And I started realizing once you have that epiphany, you look around you and you can see that ego in almost everyone. Very few people where they're not like that. And I think those people are, they call them like the awakened, right? Yeah. And, or awoken. Um, woke. Awoke. Oh, well, awoke. <laughs> Just woke. Just woke. Woke, right. Um, and so... 
I think it's that moment where I realized I really needed to do something about it is when I saw those empty bottles of sleeping pills and I felt broken spirited. I knew that this is not the answer. And I had that epiphany of, you know, getting rid of your ego being um, like there's something deeper than just what I'm pursuing. And that's when I realized, you know what, maybe there's a chance to be satisfied. Just maybe, maybe not forever, the satisfaction, but having a taste of it, you know, and being able to be reminded of it, or what do you call it, sort of like, be able to pull it back out and feel it when you want to, that's enough. I think, so there's a lot we can, I love that you said all that, and I think the first area I want to take this to is the idea of detaching from sort of the, the tangibles, so like the job, the hobbies, et cetera, those are things you enjoy. I guess they make up parts of you, but you still exist if you lose one of those things, which I think is a really important notion that and you got lost in that. A lot of people get lost in that. And, you know, the work I did with my last company, it was help people get down to the core why of why they exist, which is probably what I'm, I'm assuming is Eckhart Tolle is espousing in whichever book this was. Um, by the way, was it Awaken to Your Life's Purpose? Yeah. A New Earth? There you go, okay. that one. <laughs> um, and, you know, my business partner and I, we did this exercise for hundreds, probably over a thousand people over the years, where we would go through a series of questions and answers and figure out what are the commonalities, like about your life, and then figure out what are the commonalities across these answers to come down to like what's the core theme of your life and why do you live in the first place and it's not about a job that's an execution of why you live so like for me personally my why is expression so you asked earlier if I couldn't talk anymore I could still find a way to express myself and bring out expression in others it'd be tougher definitely because I do like talking <laughs> <laughs> And everything I do is built around my, my ability to talk. But there would still be a way to, and maybe I just silently teach yoga, right? Um, and that's not, you know, like, like that why is not, um, it's not a why of helping startups. It's not a why of rapping, helping startups and rapping. Those are all modes of bringing out expression. So like the work we did together, is to help you bring out the expression, the ultimate expression of muses and of yourself. And that for me has always been, that's like, when I figured that out a few years ago, that's what started to guide my decision making. So it wasn't about, does this look good or not look good on a, on a resume, quote unquote. It wasn't about, um, do I, like, does that, job sound enticing it was more like is this in line with my why and the more i've made decisions from that place it, it's a longer game definitely because i passed up on a lot of things that i think could have made me a lot of money over the past few years but because i make you know x dollars more doesn't mean i'm going to be satisfied with it I, I mean it could very likely mean i'm waking up hating what i'm doing every day so I think the more you make decisions that come from the why, 
Right, right. Like, and then you, you put yourself on that path to aligning with your actual life's purpose and then living out your life's purpose, which for me, I've found, you know, again, it's not easy. I don't think it's supposed to be easy, though. Um, but you do, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, like, I sleep better as a result. Because I had, I mean, I had points. The last time I was employed, the last few months, I mean, it was an awesome company, and then just things didn't go as I liked. And then my job got so stressful that I would wake up, I would, I was working, like, 13, 14 hour days, probably. Like, getting in at, like, 7 and leaving at, like, 8. And knowing I had to be, like, back in at 7, I would still get home. And by the way, I would, like, order a pizza or something because I was like, I'm too tired to cook. But then knowing I had to wake up early, I would still stay up late because I didn't want to, like, go to bed being like, oh, that's what I'm waking up to. And then I would wake up as late as I could to, like, prolong, well, that's what I'm going back to. Even though I was getting paid pretty well. So it's, it really is, it's a matter of, like, I, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm never going back to that. And I'm going to do more things that are in step with why am I on this earth expression. And I want to say that this is an absolute privilege to have this problem. Oh yeah, yeah. When, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, I, thank you for when saying. When I when I'm so into my own head, I just remind myself of that. There are so many people that, you know, Gen X even right, um, or people in the workplace that do not have this opportunity to pursue self actualization, where money is very important, right? They have a, a family to uh, to maintain. So I, I do want to put that out there. Like, yeah. I understand this is a first world problem. Yeah. Like, talk. We had a similar conversation with um, Eric a few weeks ago. Severing uh, yeah. yeah, and we were sort of just saying the same thing that like yeah. that we're lucky to be able to have these conversations. Um, but I this is making me think I was in a similar sort of a similar place, um, and I feel like I'm still sort of developing that why and sort of figuring it out and. and sort of still on that path, but I worked in um, corporate for Pepsi for almost like five, almost six years and changed roles a number of times. And I feel like it was constantly because I was like, okay, I'm, I need something new or something better, something more impressive, something more glamorous, you know, than whatever role I was doing. And then each one, I, you know, I would get to that point where I was like, okay, well, this also isn't glamorous or this isn't as sexy or cool or whatever challenging or interesting as I may have thought and same thing with the anxiety like I would literally sometimes on Monday mornings I would get into the office before the lights turned on <laughs> so like sometime around six because I was like so anxious Sunday nights to like like you know I could hardly sleep and I um yeah, so I've totally been there and actually had an anxiety attack earlier this year, which was like so scary. Um, when although you I think you were having was, a heart attack. Yeah, I thought I was having a heart attack. <laughs> although I also think it was partly I had like a really bad case of strep throat and I'd taken codeine, and I'm pretty sure that is just like not hmm. my drug. Hmm. So I'm gonna be avoiding that. <laughs> but um, no, I mean I think so. I think the other really interesting thing to go back to sort of that process of looking at like all these identifiers that we list out. So this, the exercise that we did in our yoga teacher training 
we paired up with someone else in training and the exercise was like, you know, one by one, go back and forth and you oh, have to yeah. come up with a like, I am blank. You know, you have to fill out like 20. It, it was, I kept asking you, like whoever your partner was. Yeah. You who are asking, you? Who are you? Yes. Right? And you, and you were like, asking, who, I'm who a yoga you? teacher. I'm an engineer. I'm a, a type A. I'm a brunette. You know, all of these things that you like physical things or, you know, these kind of attributes that, uh, and then at the end of it, it was like, if you didn't have brown hair anymore, if you didn't have a degree yeah. as an engineer, if you no longer taught yoga, like, would you still, and even like, I am Victoria, like, say your name changed, are you still you? Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really interesting to think about how we get so attached to these identifiers and it makes it very hard when we change or pivot in our life to let go of whatever's in the past. And I've had a really hard time of that. So I left Pepsi a little over a year ago and I started teaching yoga and blogging um, full time. And I still get really uncomfortable when people ask me, oh, what do you do? And I say, "Uh, I'm a yoga teacher, which to me, it does like, for whatever reason, doesn't feel like a satisfying answer, you mm-hmm. know? And so then, I, but I also blog mm-hmm. and I do this and, you know, I try to come up with all these qualifiers mm-hmm. um, because it, it used to be easy. I was, oh, I, you know, I studied engineering. I work in supply chain for PepsiCo. I work in shopper marketing. I, you know, I had like these really clear distinctions and I, that's a whole other life that I had that I don't, that like, I can't say that I do now. And so it's just interesting. You know, I think the, Thing that I'm trying to learn and grasp is that it's okay to let go of those things or to no longer have certain titles, but you're still you mm-hmm. and you still have those skills. You still have that knowledge. And I may be something totally different in five years from now. And so I'm kind of on that journey I mean, right now. I totally hits a chord when you say I'm a yoga instructor and you feel like that's not enough. Mm-hmm. That's not the right identifier, right? So a lot of people, bloggers. Mm-hmm. I, I talk. I, my a lot of my friends are bloggers or quote unquote influencers, and they don't want. Some people are happy to say bloggers. Sure. Yeah. Some people are saying, you know what? I don't want to call myself a blogger. I don't. I hate the word influencer. Mm-hmm. Why? Because that's not just what they are, and also their stereotypes. Mm-hmm. If you really think about it, so in our community, we have about uh, six thousand people now. Um, only been four the Muses months. community. Right, the Muses community. And a lot of my friends in New York, the, the bloggers at, you know, the blogger network of a thousand or so, and they are entrepreneurs. They're hustlers. They're not just a blogger. A blog is one of the products they produce, right? Um, but they do business development for their business. They are salespeople. They are creatives. They are stylists. They are artists. You know, they're all of those combined to produce that blog. Right. Right. So you're not just a blogger. You're an entrepreneur. So that's why um, when I talk to people, I, I say, I don't like to use the word influencer marketing. You know, what we're doing here is helping those who want to build a brand mostly entrepreneurs, small business owners. If you're a blogger, you're a small business owner. By definition, you have fewer than 500 employees. That's Less you. than 50 million in revenue. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. You are a small business owner. So that identification, I think this, the problem here is there's a society versus who you know yourself, right? 
So the labeling, the nomenclature is where we're, we're struggling with right now, but it's up to us to communicate. Mm -hmm. And the trick is not everyone wants to hear it. Hmm. Yeah. Not everybody is happy for you because of that. You will lose friends on your climb. Actually, Trisha told me that. Trisha from um, the dog company, uh, Trisha Montgomery. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Canine Fitness. Canine Fitness, yeah. yeah. She said that, you know what? On your climb, you will lose friends. And that is so true. Because some people, they just, you know what? They don't want to let go of that self-identification. Mm -hmm. And when you are able to, and they're not there yet, they reject it. Yeah. And I've seen it time and time again. Oh, yeah. I get that. Actually, it's so funny. Both of my grandmas, <laughs> whenever, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, they always bring this up about how hilarious they think it is that they tell their friends all the time, oh, my granddaughter, she studied engineering and now she teaches yoga and their friends get like such a kick <laughs> out of it and they think it's so funny. And <laughs> like, all right, enough of the joke. <laughs> I'm still smart. I think, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, yeah. I just can do something else now too. Uh, and no, not that it, not that it like really upsets me or anything, but it, it is funny how people want to project these things on you even when you're ready to move on and it's yeah. and it's even funny too I've brought my parents up a number of times on this with their serial entrepreneurs they've mm -hmm. spent their entire careers doing many many different things starting businesses selling them etc over yeah. and over and in many different spaces um, you know across tons of different industries and so it's interesting that I have a hard time like letting go of my little identifiers in in a career sense because I had this example of people who who did do that and kept reinventing themselves. So it's funny that I that I struggle with it, but I, it's something that I'm really trying hard now to to sort of let go of. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that Raj actually mentioned this. I forget which episode it was, one of the last couple episodes we released, and you were talking about how, like, sort of thinking of your life, especially career, but you could put this with oh, any relationships in albums. With, that was the episode with Eric. Yeah. yeah, I think it was the episode with Eric. Season um, eight. Yeah. Episode two. <laughs> <laughs> the idea of thinking of your life in albums, like music albums, right? Okay. So, like, your time spent at Fox or, you know, in the that sort of, like, L.A., yeah. whatever world. That was one album uses as a second album or even yeah. like relationships in your life and how they can all exist but separately like chapters in a book yeah. you know and i think i've definitely done a lot of work you know in self under know thyself right mm -hmm. um and I, I saw a lot of literature and you know to, under, to help myself understand how to be satisfied how to be happy and you know, it comes, they say, human means it comes out to thick things that make us thick. You guys probably know this too. No. Um, number one is certainty. You need to have some certainty in your life, like some regimens. You need to wake up, have your coffee, do your yoga, your morning routines. You need to be able to expect certain things in life so you feel grounded. Number two is actually uncertainty. So you need to have variety in life and, you know, something that excites you, something that challenges you. Number three is love and connection, community. I mean, we are social animals. That's another book that's pretty good, social animals. Um, number four is growth, right? And this absolutely applies to the type A people. Should apply to them all. Um, there's some kind of progress because we are, um, we need to feel improvement. Number five is contribution. Um, 
again, it's like I'm growing. You want to contribute so that you can, believe it or not, make yourself feel better. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it comes back to the ego, but it's okay. You know, you're giving to people so that you feel good. Yes, you're benefiting others, but you're. But it also helps you feel like you're part of something. Absolutely. Right? It's, yeah. It's, um, it's, when you're done with this, I'm going to plug another book that goes off. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So these five things: certainty, uncertainty, love and connection, growth, and contribution. They say to identify your top two to three, and make sure whatever you do satisfies that. So I'll start first. To me, I have to have growth and contribution. That's my non-negotiators, right? And then certainty, uncertainty, uh, love and connection, like those can swap it out. Mm-hmm. Right. So whatever position I put myself in, I have to know it's a position of growth and an uh, opportunity to contribute. Interesting. I know what mine are. Yes, I am. Totally. Okay. Certain certainty. Absolutely. I like. I love routine. Mm-hmm. I lo- like. The waking up, getting my coffee, make the bed. Like I have certain routine things that I crave. Mm. And then the second one being contribution. And what I was going to say is I'm reading um, the Book of Joy right now, which is um, basically it's the Dalai Lama and um, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And they spent a week together. And it's just sort of like documenting their week. Yeah, super cool. Documenting. The most enlightened week. Yeah, it is. And the whole idea is like how people find joy. So many times when you think about when you felt your best, there's probably an element of you having done something for someone else, right? Or some sort of contribution. So I would say those two things are definitely certainty and contribution. And I think that that was a big part of, so my blog is all about, um, it's kind of health and wellness, like very food and yoga focused. But the whole idea is how to just sort of take those things and little small actions to make a more sustainable, like mindful lifestyle. And for me, I think that's like sort of where my contribution comes into play. And so certainty and contribution are totally my two. <sighs> if I'm picking two, I think it's like Shirley, I think it's growth and contribution. Um, a lot of times I feel like something is wrong if I'm just like sitting and doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like even if it's not like working, if it's like a Saturday afternoon and I have to at least oh, like yeah, be with do. people. But if I'm just like, like <laughs> I need like I need to pick up a book or something, you know, like I gotta read, I gotta do something that makes me feel like I'm not just a waste of space and, and laying on the couch. Um, and then the contribution aspect, I think that's. I mean, even going back to my first job out of college, like that's why I enjoyed it for so long was because I knew what it was contributing towards. I was never disconnected from the company's vision and overall purpose. And I really like knowing literally how, even as like, you know, entry level account coordinator, how that impacted um, the client, which the money the client brought in impacts the region, which then impacts the overall sales goal and the company's goal at the end of the day. So growth and contribution are my two, but certainty is very important. Victoria used to do like certainty and certainty gets a bad reputation because routine is good. It helps us. It establishes some sort of discipline in us. The creative artist does not just get out of bed one day and decide to paint. The creative artist has a process that they rely on and makes themselves paint even on days when they really don't want to. 
And that's a good thing. But people think routine is like, oh, I just crave freedom all the time. And you don't get freedom from freedom. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. So this book I read uh, several years ago called The Big Payback, it's about the hip hop industry. And in the early mid 80s, there's this DJ on the radio who's, well, he's a new DJ and it's like a traditionally rock station. He wants to put hip hop on the air and he wants to play all hip hop all the time. And his station manager says, you can't do that. We have to ease this audience in, start with like one song a night. Over time, we can build to two, then a full block, you know, and then full show. But you can't just do the full thing you want and you can't do it today. We have to have a routine, we have to have a process here. And his, the line I took from that that he said was, discipline creates freedom. Mm -hmm. And if you talk to any successful person, any entrepreneur, they did not, like, surely you don't run your business by, it's Thursday. Hey, what do I feel like working on today? Yeah. It's like, no, there are things that have to get done. Yeah. You have to have your status check in with your team every week. You got to make sure your developers are doing what they're doing. And that's how you get this to a, you know, multi-million dollar company, more than that, that can ultimately one day, you know, sell to a media giant or a, you know, a marketing company, whatever. But you, there has to be discipline in place to get there. And that's why you'll hear that saying, what gets measured gets improved. Because if you aren't tracking it, how do you have any basis for performance? How do you have any benchmark? You know, like if you don't know in a given week, surely that you, like let's say, let's say over the course of a month, the subscribers on the Muses app increases by 5,000, but you haven't been tracking that. So you don't know where, where the increase occurred. You don't know when it occurred, which gives you zero information as to how can you replicate that success and get 10,000 the next month. But if you're measuring it, then you know it works. If there's a bump anywhere, you'll, you'll be able to analyze that and then you can improve upon it. Mm. But that's, that's just coming back to the point that like certainty is a really good thing. Well, yeah, I really love that. I think what you just said, and I'm gonna write this down from my notes, is freedom comes from discipline. Um, the more you practice, the luckier you become. An overnight success, 10 years in the making, right? All yeah. of these are the same thing. Um, you know, I recently started thinking about how to be fearless, right? And, you know, not just mental state, but also physically. I've had to work out a lot of aggression. There are some things that happened this year where people I look, look up to disappointed me. Um, you know, some role models, I got to see their true colors and, you know, made me upset, right? And so when that happens, there, there is aggression, right? And so I also picked up Krav Maga fighting, right? I think there's discipline in fighting too, oh, yeah. because you learn the forms, you learn skills, you learn, it's like yoga, but the opposite end, right? <laughs> um, and so to be fearless is really slaying whatever comes your way, but how do you slay? It's not just you pick up a sword and then you all of a sudden can fight really well it's because you train it's because you fall down so many times it's because you throw yourself in the fire and you fight your way out that you're you're used to it you know what it's like yeah there's all these challenges all these bumps in a row and you know what 
I, I know this pattern. This looks familiar to me. I've done this. I've conquered it before. So it's not that hard anymore. And that comes from routine. It comes from certainty. It comes from practice. Let's pause 60 seconds for this public service announcement for you startup founders out there listening. The Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast is brought to you by Raj Nation Innovation. If you are not familiar yet with Raj Nation Innovation, let me tell you real quick. I talk to founders pretty much every day who flat out tell me, Raj, we suck at telling our story. Well, my job is to remove the suck. With Raj Nation Innovation, I blend a unique background in both branding and songwriting because, as I'm sure you know if you've been listening to this show, I am also a hip-hop artist. And so I look at business communication through the lens of entertainment and performance. And with that approach, I partner with growth-focused startups to help them develop their pitch, their story, and their message so they can go raise investor capital and acquire their early customers. Companies like FanFood, Keo, Jiffy Rides, Muses, and more have all gone through my signature brand communication playbook and come out on the other side winning pitch competitions, raising seed funding, and being masters of telling their story. Holler at me at www.rajnationinnovation.com. That's R-A-J Nation Innovation.com. Back now to the show. Yeah, no, I totally, so what I was thinking of was um, another book that I read in this like yoga book club, <laughs> The Yamas and Niyamas. And she talks about, there's this quote that says, ritual helps us to end and begin again without carrying the dead weight of what we've left behind. Mm -hmm. And I think what I get from that is that like, having rituals and certainty and sort of processes and all of that allows you to have one pillar of stability in your life that I think actually frees you up for the uncertainty and the creativity when you know that there are those certain those certain things you know that like when you know you've got that one bit of reliability it kind of frees you up to then have a degree of yeah, there, yeah, you have to have some aspect of your life that is stable. Totally. If everything is unstable, you'll, you won't get anywhere. Inspire and, a lot of control. Yeah, you will. There has to be something that is stable. So it's mm -hmm. like you have to start somewhere, yeah. and then you can expand out into a lot of these things. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about sort of like the hunger aspect of this, because this is something that I struggle with a lot as well, is, and you mentioned in the beginning, surely this is something that you were dealing with, is never feeling like, basically there's always more to do and more to achieve. And I think I do a very poor job of celebrating when things go well. I mean, I definitely know when things go wrong, but you know, when I hit a goal, I'm just like, all right, what's the next goal? And I don't know if that's a bad thing or not, um, but I do know that, you know, to go back to you know, the sort of the whole Hamilton aspect of this. Um, There's one, always a Hamilton aspect. I know. <laughs> In every part of life, actually. Yes. <laughs> one of the reasons I think that play speaks to, I, I felt like a personal attachment to it is because I often feel that way that he does. Like I'm running out of time. Like there's more to accomplish. Um, like, I can't sit and slow down. I have to keep going. And I can have moments of slowing down, but I feel like there's always, again, more to do. And some of that, again, it's good to have drive and ambition, but how do we balance the drive with recognizing what we've done so far, with feeling good about it and not 
letting the drive, I guess, consume us to a detriment? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can only share my thoughts from my perspective, and you will, I'm sure, find your own answers, right? Um, having someone to love, having um, people you really care about, so you share that drive. Um, part of who you, who you are and what you want to do is to care for them, and that slows you down because it freezes the moment. Um, oh my goodness, I have so much emotion right now, it's like I almost want to cry. <laughs> I, um, I got married this year, started a company, and moved to a new city and bought a place, like all in this year. I did that last year. <laughs> <laughs> Not to a new city, but we moved and yeah, all that. Yeah. Okay. Down the street. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I went from New York to Chicago. And, you know, my husband has been such a blessing and this love is, you know, I knew we loved each other, but it, it was more than I ever felt and could imagine. Um, he's just been a wonderful source of, I think, just light and pillar. Um, I mean, absolutely, I find being grounded in myself. But when I think about caring for another individual, and it's a we now, it's not an I, it helps me balance out things. It, it, I don't want to say it slows me down, but it harmonizes my drive. It harmonizes my meaning. Um, it makes me feel um, safe in my in my uh, in my endeavors. Safe, or I don't know what you call it, but it, it makes me feel understood. Right. A lot of times when when I was more single, and I you know, um, and again, people find their own you know their own meaning, their own love. For me, I think this my husband, this individual, really helped me felt this way. Um, before I was just, everything was about me. I want to do this. I want to do that because I want to be awesome for me. <laughs> but when you want to be awesome for us and you want to be awesome for others and you know it means their life too, you know, they're part of this journey with you, uh, you sort of have the ability to share that responsibility and share that uh, drive and accomplishment and to me it harmonizes I like that phrase harmonize your drive yeah now would you say that I mean with that with what you just told us would do you think love and connection is actually <laughs> one of your top two out of those five because you said before growth and contribution yeah. but now you talked about how yeah. important yeah. Love is to being able to sustain and grow and build upon what you're doing. So when I was first reading those five characteristics, I was thinking more big love, like love for society and connection with organizations. I mean, it could be possible. I mean, what's important to you could change. You know, every five mm-hmm. years you change. So that's interesting. Um, I, I think that the other thing that is important for us is understanding you know, how how do you balance yourself? Like you can't, you always want to feel stable, right? And to me, I sort of have this three-tier vision in my head. 
there's achieving peace as your foundation, there's a fearlessness aspect to every day, and then there's experience of freedom here and there when you feel that you've done well. Mm -hmm. And Raj, to your question, when you say, how do you celebrate the moments? Um, what I do sometimes, and I started doing this, is celebrate something different. Instead of celebrating mm -hmm. success when you've, let's say, oh, I, I got you know another 10,000 customers today, or yay, we released another version two of our app. Instead of celebrating those traditional milestones, celebrate when you get back up from failure. <laughs> celebrate when you don't die from a challenge. Oh my gosh, there were so many points this year, I can't, some I can't even share, where I just crawled, like curled up and just felt sick to my stomach, but I knew I will survive. And that is extreme solitude, extreme loneliness that is to the core, but I know I will survive. A day passes, two days passes, a week passes, and then, you know what, I'm still here. I'm still chugging forward. Celebrate that. First you were afraid. You were petrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So celebrate celebrate the moments that you survive and you are strong enough that you overcame. Let's transition now and talk about Muses, the company you founded earlier this year. So at surface level, it's a social media marketing app for small businesses. Tell our listeners though why it's about more than that. Okay, so uh, influencer marketing, um, it's been so, such a hot topic. Some people say it's saturated, but numbers prove that more and more dollars are being spent on it. I mean, Instagram sponsor content gets $92 million a month spent on Instagram sponsor content, projected to be at $200 million a month in 2019. And that's Instagram alone, right? And also some influencer stats show that Influencer marketing actually drives 11 times more return on investment than any other sort of digital advertising. And eight out of 10 most influential people to a millennial Gen Z audience is actually a YouTube star. So it's, it's undeniable. That's right? crazy. I know. <laughs> it's undeniable that it's here. Um, the problem is when you think about the small business owner, they're the ones um, that have to run their business. They have to do everything. They wear multiple hats. and you know, a lot of people are not experts in social media, or if you don't have the monetary resources spent on Facebook or Google ads, what do you do, right? How do you get new eyeballs on your, on your product, on your service? And so I wanted to create an environment where it's a place where everyone gets your first 10,000 customers, everyone gets your first 10,000 followers, everyone grows together, you pool your resources, and you actually become friends and create long-term relationships. So it's more like a LinkedIn for people who want to, for brand builders, right? Um, I, I don't like the one-off transactional, here's 300 bucks, go post something for me and I forget about you. I get about five brand pitches a day, like brands asking me to post for them. And I don't respond a lot of times because I don't know why I want to post for them. You know, it's a random clothing line or, you know, a random product I have no connection with. I don't know who you are. And I know you're emailing thousands of other people mm -hmm. to do the same thing, right? I don't feel special. 
So I wanted to create an environment where it's a community of people who grow up together. When, so let's talk about the small business aspect of this. Um, you talked about how they don't have basically the time or the resources or the know-how to figure out social media marketing. Where in the small business life cycle or where are they at as a company to where it makes sense to use Muses? And when you say small business, like what types of businesses do you have in mind? Okay, so I think once you have, where it makes the most sense is probably if you have um, you know, social media presence, but you want to propel, you want to grow that. Um, you know, obviously, we want to maintain the quality of our platform, so we want to make sure that you are offering something um, to build upon. Um, in terms of our target category or industries, right now, it's organic. It's it's very lifestyle focused because our first five hundred customers were my blogger friends, and that's you know, female millennials, lifestyle, beauty, fashion, travel, fitness. Um, food, right? Um, and, you know, we do plan on expanding horizontally. So within the first three months, our main cities are New York, uh, Chicago, LA, and San Francisco. Um, and those, you know, 3,000 or so influencers in turn attracted 1,500 small businesses in the same categories into the app. And, you know, our next six months would be attracting tier two U.S. cities and horizontal verticals. So probably more more health and um, restaurants, CPGs, that would make sense. Um, and to our surprise, we actually are already in 71 countries in four months. Um, over 550 partnerships were executed in the app. And these are all self-administered, user-administered, not muses. Um, executive partnerships, which really shows that there is this need. Um, people are looking for ways to connect and grow together. I mean, the engagement stats in our app are undeniable. The man, global, like global. like full, like fully global. We like, are like, in seventy one countries, all fifty states except for the Dakotas. <laughs> <laughs> They got pipeline issues to deal with. Yeah. They can't. <laughs> there aren't a lot of influencers in the Dakotas. But how is there not like one? <laughs> yeah. If there's fifty if there's forty nine other states. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Maybe it, I should yeah. move to the <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> For a second I was looking at there are fifty two states? No. Uh, Puerto Rico and Guam do not count. <laughs> um, so Victoria, as someone who's working up your influencer pre- influencer presence, um, Surely, what is Victoria's utilization of this app and how does she make sure she gets the most out of it? Sure. I always ask someone to think about what's your goal. You know, is your goal to grow your audience, to make friends, or is it for brand partnerships? Um, you know, what is it? And Muse is really, it's, it could help you, all that but you definitely want to know what you're trying to do. Um, And in the app, you can partner with brands and also with influencers. So it's not just across the table, but you can work with other people to 
you know, pool resources. And one of the ways, and I share this with Raj, is how I grew my audience is actually by accident. You know, in the beginning, I, I took a YouTube star to a fashion show, she posted a selfie of us and my follower doubled. And it kept on doubling when I go out with big, you know, um, influencers. And so when you pull resources, that's where you really grow and that's how Muses helps you um, find those individuals to do partnerships with. In building this so far, what's been the biggest surprise? Like a million things. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has been a surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uncertainty. Right. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Um, let's come back to the main topic now to bring this one home. Um, and we'll go one by one to wrap up here and give our answer to the question based on what we've discussed. So our question today was, how do you find satisfaction? Victoria, kick us off. I'm not prepared to answer today. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been thinking about it. What if, you how, just, what if we um, phrase it like, how do you find satisfaction for the moment? It doesn't have to be mm -hmm. eternal satisfaction, no, but good. a moment of satisfaction. Yeah. I think from what we sort of discussed today and what I've sort of been toying with myself, I think finding satisfaction in the moment and even more broadly is sort of figuring out how to let go. Um, we talk about this a lot in yoga, right? Practicing non-attachment. And when you can let those attachments to whatever, whether it's, um, you know, attaching to a very specific goal or attaching to a description or identifier of yourself, I think it's easier to find, whether you want to call it satisfaction or joy or sort of that peace, contentment, is when is when you're able to say it's okay i can let those other things go my answer how do you find satisfaction so i think a couple things well i really like the harmonize your drive line that you said shirley um i also think as you mentioned the yoga part victoria what came to mind for me was in the last few weeks i've gotten to a point where i can almost every time do a handstand on my first attempt. Wow. Like without, I have to be like warmed up first, but I can pretty much do it. Do you use the wall or no? No, no. I actually never practiced with a wall because I didn't want to become reliant on it. Um, so like usually after class ends, I'll know it was a, like a good class if I can do a handstand. So like yesterday's class, I couldn't. <laughs> I got my hips weren't open enough basically. Um, and it feels really good to be able to do that. But I'm saying that for the reason that this was two and a half years in the making of like committing to something, you know? So I think if you find a challenge, a goal, an objective, even a person that you want to really commit and like basically commit yourself to the process and commit yourself to the learning, that's how I've been, like that's why I feel satisfaction then in the fact that I can, I really think if I were able to do it on day one, I would get no gratification out of it. But because I know it's been, you know, two and a half, almost three years, it's like, man. So more like the process than just being able to check the box. Exactly. I get exactly. I think the um, you know, I heard it said by uh, Mohan Birsani once, he's a professor at Kellogg and he does a lot of entrepreneurship talks. Uh, he said, fall in love 
with the, well, he said fall in love with the problem, not the solution, mm -hmm. which I think is good advice for any entrepreneur, but even, I guess, just modify that a little and fall in love with the process mm -hmm. and you will find a solution. Mm -hmm. So that's my long-winded answer. <laughs> Shirley, how do you find satisfaction? I try to find satisfaction um, in any moment I can get now. I mean, because I, I feel like we deserve it. We work so hard and I think a lot of times we, the most things that we do a day, especially as entrepreneurs, is make decisions, right? I want to be satisfied with my decisions. How I do that is channeling Marcus Aurelius, and I've been studying Stoicism in his books. He says all you need is three things. One, certainty of judgment in the moment. Two, the action for greater good in the moment. Three, an attitude of gratitude in the moment. All you need, if you have these three things in line, then you know that you're good. And so I check myself with the actions I do, with the decisions I made. Oh, you know what? I met all three. I'm good. Wow. Man, I wish you would have said that earlier. I feel like there's so much more to talk about with but that. There was, but, two of the, but that was like a lot of what we did talk about. Cer certainty. Of judgment. Right? Yeah. Certainty of judgment, but still. <laughs> and then wait, what was it? the second one was? Action for the greater good. Yeah, contribution. Ah. ah. How about it? <laughs> all right. Shirley Yang, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. That wrapped up our conversation with Shirley Yang. Shirley, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your experience, your insight, and your journey with us and our audience. Did you, the listener, enjoy this episode? If so, the best compliment you can give us is a rating and review on iTunes. Ratings and reviews help more people find the show, therefore more people get to discover their inner awesomeness. While you're leaving that review, go ahead and subscribe to the show on whatever platform it is you listen, whether that is iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, or the various other podcasting platforms in which you can find our show. For full show notes, references, and resources, as well as Shirley's contact information, head on over to www.discoveryourinnerawesome.com. And while you're looking up those things, browse through our nearly 100-episode archive. We are approaching the century mark. Maybe we'll do something cool for the 100th episode. I don't know yet. In any case, that'll tie a bow on this one. Thank you again to Shirley Yang for joining us. For Victoria Cohen, I am Raj Nation. You have been listening to the Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. We will see you next time. But in the meantime, take care and be awesome today. My baby's sweet, I mean she's sweeter than all outdoors. Love course, through my veins and I'm of my pores. Won't you and I need you. Won't you come and see me? I want you. Never wanna hurt you. Victoria is the voice behind the blog, Almonds and Asana, Asana Duck. <laughs> you might have to do this all the way. Victoria is the voice behind the... <laughs> I never... I usually do it in one take when I have... Did we make you nervous, Raj? <laughs>